a good line for you to remember when you're sharing the gospel with people is trust is only as good as what you put it in. That's, is, is, that's all you can present to people when it comes to objective illustrations of brain surgery or scuba diving. Right? You can trust all you want in holding your, your tank of iced tea as you go into the boat and dive into the water, but your trust in that, your love of that, your preference for that cannot solve your problem. It doesn't benefit you to have a lot of choices. Matter of fact, it's a bad thing for you to have a lot of choices. If you're trusting in your welder, you're trusting in your lawyer for brain surgery, uh, your trust is no good if it's misplaced. Your trust is only as good as what you put your trust in. Well, here's the biblical claim, of course. John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26 reminds us that our ultimate problem is death, which is the consequence of sin, the law of sin and death. That's the problem. I'm bound inextricably to the problem of I am a sinner, and because of my sin, I have a penalty to pay. Part of it is physical death. Another part of it is spiritual death or relational death, and that is a problem that needs to be solved. And so at a funeral of his friend, Jesus says to his sister, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm not only going to fix the problem of your body being reconstituted and re-enlivened, but I'm going to give you the good that you don't have in this world. I'm going to give you life, as Jesus liked to call it, like the Old Testament liked to call it. I give you life. And if you believe in me, if you trust in me, that's the portal. And I've said already, I am the exclusive means of that. He said that throughout his ministry. Come to me, bread of life. I'm the living water. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe me, even if you die, you physically die, yet shall you live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, right, you're never going to die. And then he asked, you got a decision to make. Do you believe this? And of course, she says, well, I believe in the resurrection. Everybody's going to be resurrected in the end. She's just concerned about her brother who had died. But Jesus is making, again, a reminder, a claim here, reminding us in his claim that there's a real problem that needs a real solution. And there are a lot of religions out there. And people will say, well, if you're sincere, it doesn't matter what you carry into the next life. If your problem is some kind of, of terminal brain problem, well, you better pick the right thing. If you're going to go scuba diving, you better pick the right thing if you're going to survive. And Jesus says, you're about to pass through the portal of death. You better be hanging on to the right thing. There's an objective solution, just like if there is, and I illustrate it in the book this way, a sinking ship. You better find something that's buoyant that's going to get you off of that. And if there's only one thing that can provide that in one lifeboat, then you better take that lifeboat. And you can't sit around and say, well, I really wish there were more options. You can say that all you'd like. But if there is an option, you ought to be grateful for the option. And if it's an exclusive and absolute claim of an option, then you better take that. And you better not say, well, I'd really like to live in a world where there's more choices, like my preferences for potato chips or ice cream. The biblical claim couldn't be clear. Jesus is saying, I can solve this problem. And in the New Testament, of course, it says there's proof that he can solve the problem. In particular, our death problem, which was caused by our sin problem, was reversed by a sinless one who conquered the problem of death. Christ hadn't been raised. If he didn't have that, well, then your faith would be futile and you'd still be in your sins. But we're banking on something. As Paul says later at the end of his life, he says, I know the one I've believed. I've entrusted my life to him. And I, I, I'm confident in the fact that I've got the right solution here because he's given us proof of it. He was confident about the solution because the solution had proven itself 
in particular, if I want to live after I die, if I want real life and blessing, I should follow the glorified one who after his death rose again and said, if you trust in me, I'll get you through this portal into the next life without all the problems of pain and sin and suffering and disease and all the things that the Bible claims and most people intuitively through natural revelation long for. Well, yeah, well, what about all these religions, okay? Well, let me just make this clear as though you needed a reminder of it. Different religions make conflicting assertions. I mean, I just want to illustrate that and think that through for a minute because that is what you cannot deny when everyone wants to sit around and echo the Oprah sentiment of our society and that is, well, choose Hinduism, choose Buddhism, be a Sikh, you know, be a Zoroastrian, uh, be a Jehovah Witness, be a Mormon, be whatever you want. Just be a good person, be sincere, and it'll all work out. And the Bible's saying, well, look, here's something very true that I'm going to tell you about, like who God is. The Bible's going to say, here is a personal God that you need to relate to who made you in his image. He made you in his image with intellect, emotion, and will. And he's a triune being, triune being because he's in eternal fellowship. He sent his second person, the second person of the Godhead to solve our problem by taking on humanity. That is what we're dealing with, a God who exists, who's personal and triune. You can pick up another religious system like Christian science, and they can say, okay, the God that we need to relate to, if you need to relate to him at all, is an impersonal force. Not a person, he's, he's, a, he's a thing, an it. And, and you can say, well, those are conflicting claims about the nature of God. They both might say, well, there is a God, but now you've got religious systems conflicting in what they're claiming God is. Jesus, for instance, in the Bible, Jesus is a divine Messiah. He was all the expectations of the Old Testament, and he brought his deity to bear through his ministry. He said he fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. The Old Testament, 40, 39 books of the Old Testament lead up to this. New Testament then explains who he is and provides all the benefits, at least articulates those benefits to us in the New Testament. That is who Christ is. Even Jehovah Witnesses, under the banner of Christianity, as people would like to put them, they'd say, well, wait a minute, he's not a divine, eternal Messiah, he's a created being, he's Michael, an archangel, he had a beginning, and you're saying, well, those are two different claims, two different things, and one is true and one is not, and that's the point we've tried to make about the nature of truth. Christ's work, the Bible says Christ was crucified and raised for our sins. If the person that you're sharing with says, well, it doesn't matter if you're a uh, uh, a Muslim or a Christian, what does it matter? Well, it matters because if Jesus is the mechanism of our salvation, we've got a claim in the Bible about who he is, and then you've got Islam saying, well, he wasn't even crucified, and he certainly wasn't resurrected. I mean, that's the heart of the message of the gospel. We say there is a God. He's a personal triune God. Some religious groups say, no, he's not. He's, a, he's an impersonal force. People say, well, here's who Jesus is, and other people will say, well, that's not who Jesus is. Say, this is what Christ did. Other people say, well, that's not what Christ did. Other religious groups. Salvation. The Bible says you're saved by trusting in Christ. I've read you some basic passages already. We've got a name given among men. We've got to be saved. We've got to put our trust in him. If you trust in him, even if you die, you're going to live. That's the claim of the Bible. He's finished all the work that makes us right and qualified for this future inheritance. Hinduism will say, no, that's not how it works. You go out, you do good, you stockpile good karma so that you can end this cycle of reincarnation and then you can be absorbed into the kind of impersonal nothingness of what God is, this great spirit. And so that's the goal, is this kind of infinitude, this, this sense of, of, of absorption into the divine. 
Well, those are two different ways to get to two different places to solve the same problem. The problem of this life, the problem of all that's wrong in this world, the problem of what ought not to be. Well, they're painting a different picture of what ought to be. They're painting a different picture of how to get there. Just examples, obviously. But you need to think that through when someone says, well, all religions are basically the same. Well, you need to say, well, they are clearly asserting conflicting assertions. They're asserting different things about reality. 